KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Kinsey Moreland in for Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, April 15th. State authorities allowed an alleged sexual predator to job hop among San Diego area nursing homes. We'll have that KPBS investigation after the break, but first, let's do the local headlines. All right, today is the day vaccine eligibility is officially expanded in San Diego County to anyone 16 and older. Good news, right? The bad news? Getting an appointment was hard before and it will surely get even harder. But County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says San Diegans should stay chill and keep trying. Every time we've opened a new category, uh, it's going to create a surge of people uh, seeking out vaccines. And so there will be the, the normal frustration that we've been through multiple times about challenges in getting appointments. And we just ask everyone continue to be patient. The San Diego City Council met late into the night Tuesday to discuss ongoing racial disparities in our city's policing. That discussion comes amidst a national outcry over the officer shooting of Dante Wright this week in Minneapolis. San Diego resident Jeffrey Alonzo Caramujeto shared his experience. Every time I start my car, I acknowledge it might be my last ride. I think about my family, my friends, and a future I hope to participate in. This is juxtaposed with the stark reality that due to the color of my skin, my right to live a full life can be stolen from me during a pretext stop to police violence. One bad day means my life gone. Council members say they're committed to working toward more equitable police reforms. And also during that marathon meeting Tuesday night, the city council voted unanimously to contract with a new ambulance company. They voted to choose Falk as its new emergency medical services provider. The new contract will add at least 10 new ambulances and crews, meaning there will be more paramedics on the streets at any given time, which could help with response times. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. And we're back. California regulators allowed a nursing assistant to job hop among San Diego area nursing homes, even though they were aware of multiple sexual assault allegations against him. That is according to documents reviewed by KPBS. Our investigative reporter Amitha Sharma has that story, and Amitha sits down with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh after to discuss her findings. Certified nursing assistant Matthew Flukiger warned 62-year-old Gail to keep quiet right after he allegedly raped her twice in one hour at a La Mesa nursing home in January 2020. He already said he knows my address and everything and where I live and all my personal business. And then he says, 
So trust me, I know you're not going to say anything. Flukiger added, quote, even if you do, no one will believe you. They love me here. He had reason to think he could sexually assault women in nursing homes with impunity. State records obtained by KPBS show the California Department of Public Health, the very agency that is supposed to protect nursing home residents from predators, knew that Flukiger had allegedly engaged in sexual misconduct three years earlier. But the state still did not rescind his license. In fact, CDPH allowed Flukiger to continue to work in nursing homes, even as it investigated additional accusations that he sodomized one woman in 2019, sexually assaulted another six weeks later, and early last year raped Gail, who didn't want her last name used. This is perhaps the worst and most horrifying story of serial sexual assault that I have ever heard in the long-term care setting. Mike Dark is a lawyer for California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. How many women would need to be assaulted before they felt like they needed to take action? CDPH did not revoke Flukiger's license to practice as a certified nursing assistant until August 2020. The agency conceded in a letter to Flukiger that month that it actually could have rescinded his license for any one of the four sexual misconduct allegations against him dating back to 2017. Ernie Tosh, a Texas lawyer who sues nursing homes in abuse cases, says it's a damning self-indictment by CDPH. If each of these four incidents was enough to be revoked, why didn't you revoke it the first time? CDPH declined to answer that question and dozens others. The agency's only comment was a written statement saying it takes sexual assault allegations at nursing homes seriously. CDPH's first chance to take away Flukiger's license came shortly after May 2017, when investigators learned that he requested oral sex from a woman in exchange for cigarettes at Parkside Health and Wellness Center in El Cajon. Lawyer Jennifer Fiore says the state should have swiftly removed Flukiger from caregiving then. That alone is an example of not being trusted to behave appropriately in a situation where you are providing care to someone. In 2019, after another sexual assault allegation, CDPH again bypassed an opportunity to pull Flukiger's license. In that case, then 71-year-old Catherine Gotcher Girolamo accused the former caregiver of sodomizing her during a diaper change at Avocado Post Acute in El Cajon. Weeks later, Flukiger was accused of fondling a woman living at a third El Cajon nursing home called San Diego Post Acute. He resigned and then was quickly hired by Parkway Hills Nursing and Rehabilitation in La Mesa. Soon afterwards, CDPH investigators told Flukiger they had found discrepancies in his statements about the sexual assault allegations against him, but they let him keep his job at Parkway Hills anyway. And three months later, he allegedly raped Gail, who remains traumatized. I always have nightmares. I'm always on guard. She has harsh words for CDPH's handling of the Flukiger case. They're lazy and they're liars. They are. They don't like paperwork. They don't do their jobs. Lawyer Tosh says CDPH's legal immunity adds another layer of tragedy. You cannot sue them because they botched this investigation and allowed a serial rapist to run rampant. The San Diego County District Attorney's Office filed five felony sex charges against Flukiger in December after KPBS's stories on the avocado case. He remains in jail pending a trial.
Joining me is KPBS investigative reporter Amitha Sharma. Amitha, welcome. It's good to speak to you, Maureen. Now, this is an incredibly troubling report. Let me ask you, first of all, why can't the California Department of Public Health or its officials be sued if they were negligent in this case? Generally speaking, people who work at governmental agencies and the agencies themselves have immunity from lawsuits if those lawsuits are going after money damages, which they usually are. But that immunity is not unlimited. And the reason why the lawyer, Ernie Tosh, said you really can't sue is it's next to impossible to win when you're suing the government. Uh, Those cases are super, super difficult. And the lawyers who do take them, that usually ends up being the only kind of work that they do because they are just so complex. Now, are allegations of sexual assault usually enough to get a nursing home caregiver's license revoked? No, they're not. But the allegations are enough to suspend a caregiver's license. And that didn't happen in this case. In order to actually revoke a license, you've got to have a finding of abuse. And that follows an investigation. But then, you know, not every allegation triggers an investigation by the California Department of Public Health. And so it's it's hit and miss here. And, and, and the other thing, Maureen, that I think is important to mention is there's no state database here. So nursing homes are not required to tell the state when they employ a certified nursing assistant. And so that allows candidates for these jobs to lie about where they worked and whether there were previous allegations against them at those previous jobs. Now, the allegations made against this caregiver are crimes, if they are true. Were they investigated by law enforcement back in 2017 through 2020? Yes. So Parkside Health and Wellness Center contacted the El Cajon Police Department back in 2017, and that's the cigarettes for oral sex trade. And police said that there was nothing that they could do about it. The next time that police were contacted, that we know of at least, regarding Matthew Flukiger was in June 2019 when uh, Catherine Gotcha Girolamo, who lived, lived at Avocado Post Acute, accused Flukiger of sexually assaulting assaulting her during the diaper change. But he was ultimately charged by the San Diego County District Attorney after your initial report on these alleged assaults. What are the charges against Flukiger? Matthew Flukiger is accused of committing four counts of lewd and lascivious acts on an adult dependent by a caregiver, and there is a fifth related felony charge. What about the care facilities where these incidents allegedly occurred? What was their response to the allegations? They would not comment. So they have had no response as you've been investigating this? Nope. Has Flukinger said anything about the allegations against him? In court, he denies the allegations. He has pleaded not guilty. Are the alleged victims of these assaults, uh, Gail, Catherine, and other women. Are they still at the nursing homes where they say the incidents occurred? Gail is not. Catherine is not. And records show that 
Well, at least criminal prosecution records show that the woman at San Diego Post Acute, who said that Flukiger got on top of her, um, she's actually at Avocado Post Acute, where Catherine Gotcher Girolamo says she was assaulted by Flukiger. Now, Amitha, you must have gotten close to Gail. She described a horrible incident to you. What's your impression of how she's coping? Maureen, I interviewed her on a Zoom call, and she sounded absolutely shattered. Her her life seems like it's irreparably changed. I think that came through during the interview that you heard excerpts of in the story. She was very, very emotional. It was obviously deeply painful for her to recall what happened and there were some pauses during our conversation because of how hard it was for her to remember those details um and just as an observer it it felt like she was reliving the trauma of it all now family members have just recently been allowed to visit their loved ones inside nursing homes the first time since the pandemic shutdown Is there anything they should be asking about the staff or facility policy to make sure their loved ones are safe? They can ask. It is not clear how accurate the answers will be. I say that because there is a statewide website that's theoretically supposed to help families review how many complaints and categories of those complaints, like abuse, are filed against a particular nursing home. But when I reviewed on that state website how the flukiger allegations were recorded, they were not, some of them were not categorized as sexual abuse. One was erroneously categorized as an abuse case of a resident on a resident. And one was not listed as substantiated. And one wasn't even listed at all. So. There really is no way for a family to rest easy because we know on at least two occasions when Flukiger was accused of sexual misconduct at Parkside and sexual assault at Avocado, he was actually allowed to return to work and the nursing homes did not notify families of the allegations. And that was Maureen Cavanaugh talking with Amitha Sharma. Coming up, COVID caused an adoption boom for dogs and cats, but not all pets did well during the pandemic. That story after a very quick break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 
So COVID-19 was tough on people, but actually pretty great for dogs and cats. There were high adoption rates and owners spent a lot more time at home. My family and I are one of them. I adopted a puppy, Dulcie Mae Hammett Moreland. And yes, she is actually here right now, scratching at my door, begging to be let in because she's not used to me being too far away from her for too long. But guess what? Not all pets fared as well, and local animal advocates hope to keep them close to the spotlight. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has the details. A backpack-sized sulcata tortoise chomps on lettuce leaves at its Escondido home. The turtle, named Ninja, is surprisingly quick when the food supply moves. They are the terrible twos, but as a creature. The ecovivarium's Shelly Oneida speaks lovingly of an animal that was about the size of a saucer when it first came here. They have all the wide-eyed wonder of a little kid and all of the destructive power of a tank. All just in one. It's great. Ninja lives at the Ecovivarium because the tortoise's owners were locked in a domestic dispute. Animal control came to Susan Nowicki, the founder and director of the Ecovivarium. She says reptiles didn't get the same pandemic boost as dogs and cats. The opposite happened in the reptile world. Suddenly, people were looking, you know, meeting difficult circumstances where they were not able to care for the animal anymore because of job loss and the cost of the food and care and everything for the animal and no programs out there to supplement like there are for dogs and cats. So they were left with having to find homes. The facility's population swelled from 200 to 300 during the pandemic. The wiki says in one case, a local pet shop owner just walked away from his business, leaving dozens of reptiles homeless. What do you do with hundreds of animals that need to be cared for for the next 30 to 50 to 100 years? The animals have homes here, but Nowicki pays a steep price. Thousands in extra vet and food bills each month at the same time that COVID cut them off from people. Visitation and our outreach programming and birthday parties and all of those kind of things were how we paid for the animal care. And all of that went away. Having kids interact with the animals is only possible now in small groups like the prearranged tour for the Alvarez family. Shelly Oneida is showing Levi the snake room. This is Miss Piggy. She is a hog nose snake. That in-person interaction is what Nowicki says makes the Ecovivarium unique. School groups used to be drawn to the up-close experience. It also helped cultivate donors and people who might adopt some of the animals living here. What is that one? They do hands-on, full cross-curriculum education programs that COVID completely shut down. A local animal-friendly nonprofit hopes to help. The Animal Bond Academy produces YouTube videos that highlight some of the region's lesser-known animal rescue and advocacy groups. Places like Penelope's Purpose that focused on pig rescue. Annie Peterson runs the Animal Bond Academy. 
We recently visited Libby Lou's in uh, Boulevard and they focus on cow rescue. So these are all animals that may not be on the forefront of people's minds, but we wanted to make sure that the Animal Bond Academy videos kept all of these organizations relevant. Peterson says once she started explaining how different animal advocacy and rescue groups work, the list of future projects got longer quickly. People began reaching out to her. And I am still learning about new organizations, small organizations that I didn't know were in existence. Nowicki says having the Animal Bond Academy video available is crucial to helping reestablish the Ecovivarium's contact with schools and the public. They were able to see the people interacting with the animals and everything and see the kids' eyes lighting up. And that is so impactful. Nowicki says anything that helps her organization's connection with the public will help her rebuild once the pandemic subsides. Yeah, see, the very, very cool thing is black lights help you find scorpions. So Eric Anderson, KPBS in News. And that is the show for today. Thank you for listening. And look, today's my last day sitting in for Annika this week. So before I go, I want to just ask one more time for your support. If you appreciate the local news KPBS brings to you, Become a member. Do it today. Go to kpbs.org slash donate and pick the membership level that works best for you and your budget, like a dollar a month. I mean, you can do whatever. Every little bit helps. Thank you in advance. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.